Good morning, my name is Kayla, and I'm one of the pastors here at Northgate, where we envision transforming our homes, communities, and world by pursuing God, building community, and unleashing compassion. I am so glad that you chose to come worship with us today. Have you ever had that feeling that you were missing something? Like that you were missing out on something? Maybe it was these last couple of weeks and you lost track of what day it was and then you, you had a moment of panic where you thought you were missing out on an appointment or a Zoom call. Or maybe you actually did almost miss out on something. So when I first started in ministry, my very first church job was a children's worship director. And I was so excited about my first Sunday that I could hardly sleep the night before. Unfortunately, that meant that that morning I overslept, I slept right through my alarm and woke up with about 30 minutes before the first worship service. Unfortunately, I also lived about 15 minutes away. I have never gotten ready so fast before or since. I rolled in with a minute to spare just by the skin of my teeth and immediately sent two, three, and four alarms for the next two months. As much as that raises my heartbeat right now, just even remembering how I felt, that pales in comparison to how I feel whenever I realize I've missed out on things when I'm in the room. You know, the times where I've missed the goodness or delightful parts about my kids or my husband because I was too wrapped up in my own stuff. Or the times where I went to an event and totally missed out on connecting with people because the expectations did not rise to the picture that I had. It's more than just FOMO, a fear of missing out. It is actually missing out on what is most important. Well, in today's text, there's something big happening in Jerusalem, and I want to make sure that we don't miss out on what's happening or miss the point of it. So hang with me for the next 20 minutes, and we're going to dive in to our passage. Our story is actually found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. But we're going to spend most of our time um, in the way that Matthew tells it, which is the very first book of the New Testament. You can turn there in your own Bible at home or we'll have it up on the screens for you as well. In the church calendar, they call today, this Sunday, Palm Sunday, and it reminds us of the palm branches that we'll hear about later in our story. It's the Sunday before Easter and it's the kickoff of what we call Holy Week, which ends on Good Friday when Jesus was crucified and then when we celebrate next Sunday on Easter Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection. In fact, all week long, we're going to celebrate our way to Easter this week. You can get on our social media and see a scripture and a song every day this week just to get us ready for Easter next Sunday. But when I went to church as a little girl, Palm Sunday was one of my favorite Sundays. There was always a, a kid that would put on an oversized bathrobe and pretend to be Jesus, and, and he would ride on a donkey, which was really just another kid that was on all fours with construction paper ears. And we would line the hallway, all the rest of us would line the hallway, and, and we would cut out palm branches and green paper, and we'd wave them and say, Hosanna, except for the year that we got real palm branches, which was a super huge deal. See, Palm Sunday was something you did not want to miss. It almost felt like, like a Christmas party before Christmas or, or like an Easter Eve. 
And if I'm being honest, it still feels that way to me. Palm Sunday is a special Sunday. And I I wish we could all experience it together in one place, but I still think that we can celebrate Palm Sunday together in all of our homes. And unfortunately, since we're social distancing and I don't have a way to get you all palm branches, construction paper, or real, let's just dive into our text and let the Bible tell the story for us. Matthew chapter 21 starts out while Jesus and his disciples are finishing their 17-mile trek from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus sends two of his disciples ahead and tells them to go into this little village and pick up a donkey and a colt for him to ride in. That's where we pick up in verse seven. It says this, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. See, I've always pictured this triumphal entry, as they sometimes call it, as a parade. I don't know if you've ever experienced one. Maybe you've been to a 4th of July parade. Maybe you were lucky enough to go to the Golden State Warriors parade when they come back from winning the national title. Or or maybe you've even been to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Whatever parade you've been a part of, you know what we're getting at, right? There are people lining the sides of the street, making happy noises, screaming and shouting. There's a bunch of kids. There's music, usually a band playing. There's face paint and people are throwing candy at the kids. Some people even bring picnic blankets or lawn chairs to sit and watch the parade go by. Well, the triumphal entry is similar, but with a twist. See, instead of picnic blankets and lawn chairs, people were taking off their cloaks and setting them on the road, almost to make a carpet for Jesus to ride on, like a red carpet. And instead of candy being thrown into the crowd, the crowds were actually cutting down tree branches and and waving them and placing them on the road as well. Instead of a band playing down the center of the street, the crowds took it upon themselves to create the noise, to create the music, shouting Hosanna and proclaiming that Jesus was the one who came to save them. I love this picture of a parade for Jesus. See, as you read through the gospel story, it feels like this is the pinnacle or, or the crescendo of Jesus' story. Finally, people are starting to treat him like the king that he is. Finally, they're standing up to take notice of him. Finally, they're showing up to the parade. Realistically, though, we know that not everybody in Jerusalem showed up to the parade that day. Not everyone came to celebrate Jesus, and and there's probably lots of reasons for that. One of them is probably that people were just distracted. They had other things going on. It wasn't the most important thing in their life. Some of them, though, weren't just distracted. They were disappointed and maybe even disillusioned. You see, the people, the Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah to come and they believed him to come like a king, somebody that would overthrow the Roman government and allow them to live free of oppression. But when they may have showed up to the parade that day, they took one look and saw Jesus coming in on a donkey with a bunch of regular old guys instead of a king on a horse with the chariots and and troops following him. That may have kept some people away from the parade that day. 
See, I think that we run the risk of missing the parade too. I think we run the risk of missing the point of this day, this Palm Sunday and in celebrating Jesus coming. See, I, I think that some of us are distracted and how could you not be right now? It feels like everyone in the world's distraction level just rose. You might be worried whether you'll have a job next week. You might be worried that you're sick or someone in your family is sick. You might be homeschooling your kids for the very first time. Or frankly, you might just be bored because you can't do the things that you've always done. Even boredom can become a distraction from things that are most important. But maybe it's not distraction for you. Maybe it runs a little bit deeper. Maybe it's disappointment or disillusionment. See, disappointment with your circumstances is completely normal, but disillusionment is something that goes a little bit further deep. See, disillusionment means that you were confronted with a different reality than the one that you had in your mind, the one that you believed to be true. And disillusionment can really mess you up, especially when it comes to your view of God. But none of that needs to keep you from the parade. Not distraction, not disappointment, not disillusionment, none of it. We only have to pick our eyes up off of our current circumstances and join in the celebration, show up for the parade. But maybe we miss the parade because it's not a parade at all. What if the triumphal entry, what if this parade was actually a protest? Now hang with me, I, I, wanna, I wanna prove it here. See, Jesus' procession was not the only one coming into Jerusalem around that time. While Jesus was coming in from the east, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, was coming in from the west with his troops. It was customary, it was standard practice for him to show up whenever there were big festivals like the Passover that would be happening that week in Jerusalem. Now he didn't come to show respect, he didn't come to pay homage to a God that he didn't believe in. No, he came to be sure that everything stayed in control, specifically that it stayed under Roman control. There were two different processions that day. One that reminded these people of their oppression and one that would eventually mean their freedom, but a freedom for something much deeper than just an oppressive government. See, there were two processions that entered Jerusalem, but I believe that the same thing happens in our lives today. There are two warring processions in our souls. One of them would keep us oppressed. It would hold us captive to external pressures and circumstances, to sin and addiction or, or fear, anxiety and worry. It would keep us trapped and depressed and pushed down. It will cause us to cling for control and, and claw at each other so that we can maintain some sense of control, to turn our sight inward and become selfish. But there's another procession fighting its way into our souls. And that is the one that would mean our freedom. It is meant to set us free. Galatians 5.1 says it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There is a need in all of us, a longing to be free. Palm Sunday, this protest march is still going on right now. So I guess the question is, are you going to join it? 
See, right now, I believe that any celebration is a protest. Any celebration is an act of protest. When we're all cooped up in our homes, unable to go out and do the things that we've always done, when we aren't able to get together in the church building and sing our songs together and hear one another proclaiming that God is good, when birthday parties and proms and weddings and even dinner parties are being canceled, any celebration right now is an act of protest. And it's just the kind of protest that belongs to the church. You see, worship is a form of protest. When we worship, we're saying, God, you are good. Even when, when I look out into the world, there is evidence that would, that's shaky and that would suggest that you're not. I'm saying, you are good. Now, worship creates space for disappointment. The church surrounds people who are suffering and says, if you can't get the words out today, I will sing them for you. Worship frustrates the enemy. We see it in John's retelling of the story. He says that the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And then in Luke's retelling of the same event, he says that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Our passage in Matthew describes the scene and they say that there was a crowd of people walking in front of Jesus, making way with their shouts of Hosanna and there was a crowd that came behind. I'm not even sure if there was a crowd on the sides watching it all go by. The crowd became the parade. The crowd was in a protest march, a protest for their freedom. Verse 10 says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Guys, that's it. That's the whole point here. When a hurting, control-crazed world looks at our protest of worship, they're gonna go, what is going on? And that's when we, as the church, we get to look back and respond, this is freedom. This is Jesus. This is your way to get out of the control spiral. This is your way to see who is here to rescue you. This is Jesus. So I guess the only question left is, who are you going to bring to this parade? Who are you going to invite to come along with you in this protest of worship, in this celebration of Jesus? Who needs freedom right now in your life? Who needs a little protest against fear and anxiety and control? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it friends? Who needs to join the march against those things? And what are you willing to do to help them experience it? I heard a story about a nine-year-old boy named William in Cork City, Ireland. And this little boy loved going to his, his city's St. Patrick's Day parade. In fact, he got it honest. His grandmother grew up going to the parade and would tell William about the excitement that she had for the parade. But unfortunately, his grandmother had never been able to experience the parade with William. She had a really bad back and standing for that long for a parade was just out of the question. 
Well, after a while, William decided that that was completely unacceptable. So he took matters into his own hands. And every day for almost a year, he took all of his change, all of his pocket change, and went to a hotel that was, um, that was situated on the parade route. And he would give them his money as a down payment for a room on the day of the parade. Almost a year later, he took his grandmother to that hotel up in the window so that she could experience the St. Patrick's Day parade with her grandson who loved it so much. You have to know that that was the very best St. Patrick's Day parade that William had ever experienced. Guys, next week is Easter. It's the time when we get to celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead, that he, that he accomplished what he came to do. And there are parts of next week that are going to look a whole lot different than they have in years past. I mean, my Easter dress is looking a whole lot more like Easter pajamas at this point. But there are going to be things that are the same. This is the main one. We will present a gospel message. We will tell the story of what Jesus offers to everyone. This is the time to invite your friends to experience Jesus with you. There's a whole world out there that has just realized how badly they need hope. And people are more apt to accept an invitation than they ever have been before. Invite your friends to join you online for Easter next week. You have no idea what one phone call, one text, one moment of brave invitation might do for them. It just might change their life forever. But maybe that someone that needs it is you. Maybe you're the one that needs to join the protest against fear or addiction or sin. You're the one that needs that kind of hope that Jesus offers. Well, we would love to start that journey with you. In fact, we have a gift for you. It's called This Changes Everything. It's a 21-day journal that will start your walk toward Jesus. It'll help, it'll help move you in and, and for you to acknowledge and know for sure that Jesus is who he says he is and he loves you because we really believe that Jesus' love changes everything. So if you want to take a step toward Jesus today, which can I just say, there is no greater act of rebellion against the craziness of this world right now than people taking a step toward Jesus. And if you want to do that, you can, you can just email prayer at ngate.org or if you're in the chat room, you can click on one of the host's name and let them know that you wanted this Changes Everything book. You can fill out a connection card and let us know that you're interested in knowing more about a life with Jesus. Guys, this is the moment. This is the moment where we get to lead this protest of worship. And in just a moment, we're gonna take time to do just that. We're gonna sing a song together, but hang around because after the song, Pastor Larry has a special message for you.